The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots and the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have some stories about uh, what to do when passengers annoy you, some private parts making an appearance in the aircraft, a story from my trip to Panama last month, some lightning in the cabin, a Tourette's passenger, and a naughty pilot. The music for this episode, I recorded uh, some street performers uh, near the Grand Platz in Brussels, Belgium. And let's get on with the show. I was coming home from work yesterday, sitting on a jump seat, and I was sitting with a girl from another base, and she was talking about this guy uh, who has since retired, and uh, I wasn't sure if I should use his name, but he is retired, and it's not like it was anything wrong, really, that he was doing. Anyway, his name was Nick, and uh, she said he was uh, very popular among the flight attendants. He was real funny, and he had this interesting uh, habit. He, he wore this little thing uh, on his breast pocket, a little thing that you could hit and it would just go click. At first, when she was saying it, I thought I was picturing, I know my dad had a little little counter where you could like hit it and it would count, but this didn't count. It just went click. And anytime a passenger or anyone was annoying him, he would just reach up and hit a little click. <laughs> and the passenger would have no idea. I wouldn't even pay attention because of a small noise, you know, it'd just be a little click. But the other flight attendants would know that somebody was annoying him. <laughs> I think it's actually genius because it's a great way to still have a smile on your face when somebody's being uh, irritating. And but you know, it's like stress relieving. Just a little click. <laughs> I love it actually. So she said he wore this thing for decades, and anytime someone was bothering, he would just be like click or click click. <laughs> so. She said another day they were on a crew, there were five of them, and they were on one of those giant escalators we have at the airport. And, uh, you know, multi-story escalator. And there was an older man, I think he was an old man, uh, like halfway up the escalator. They were further down. And this man, this old man fell, and he took out the whole crew as he came down. You know, it was like... 
he took the first one, they took the next one, and they all were like all jumbled up at the bottom of the escalator. There was luggage, there was a girl in her dress, her legs were like straight up in the air, and Nick was at the bottom of the pile. And they were like, Nick, are you okay, Nick? And all they hear is click, 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 click. And they're thinking, okay, <laughs> he's okay, he's annoyed. <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah, it was just it was just kind of funny during boarding. But do you remember the movie Toy Story? Yeah. Okay. With the astronaut and the cowboy. Yeah. The cowboy's name was Woody and the astronaut was Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Well, um, during boarding, this passenger, this man comes on with his shopping bag and he had one of the dolls, the yeah. um, the cowboy, the Woody doll. So when he walks on, I say, Oh hello, I said, Oh, you have a Woody. <laughs> And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I turn totally red, and I just, I go, you know, the doll, you yeah. have a doll. And he's just like, oh, yes, yes. You got another naked lady? Back in the day, in the early days, we used to have stir sticks that had a spoon on one end and a pick on the other. Yes. And I was flying a night coach to Miami, and this man had a blanket over his head. Over and his head? Over his head. <laughs> so I went over to him and I went, Peekaboo, I see you. And he was snorting coke. And we had him taken off in Miami. <laughs> that's why he had the blanket on. He was hiding that, from you. That's right. And he had the spoon stir on the boat. So they... When you said Peekaboo, I see you. <laughs> I almost flipped out. Well, one day, there was a DC-9 crew with a captain who'd been around for a little while and a first officer and the captain says would you why don't we just play a trick on the flight attendants today well the DC-9 you must know has a hatch in the cockpit through which one can go down onto the ramp so the captain goes down into this hatch which is down into an electronics bay and he hides here comes the gate agent with the flight attendant to shut the door and ask if it's okay to push back the first officer says, well, the, the gate agent notices that the captain's not there. And he says, well, where's the captain? The first officer replies, that's so-and-so. He's never on time. I am so tired of him not being on time. Just shut the door and let's go. I don't care if we leave him. Well, the gate agent didn't know what to do. The flight attendants were incredulous. But they said, okay. They shut the door, pulled off the jetway, and pushed back. As soon as they begin pushing back and the cockpit door is closed, the captain crawls out of the electronics bay, comes up, sits in the seat. Off they fly to Chattanooga. They land in Chattanooga, and as soon as they park, the captain jumps down into the electronics bay, out onto the ramp, runs over to the jetway, runs up the stairs, and before the door of the airplane is even open, he's banging on the side, yelling, Don't you ever leave me again! <laughs> So another story from my recent trip to Panama. I This was actually not my first trip to Panama. I had been there, uh, I figured it out about 12 years ago uh, before I started the podcast and when I was really new to traveling alone. It, was, it wasn't my very first trip traveling alone, but it was one of the first few and I was still a little nervous about it. I was nervous about meeting people or if I'd have fun or, or if I'd have to just be reading my book the whole time. But I had seen, uh, I've always been a fan of 
survivor. I think the adventure part of it appeals to me. And, um, or maybe the survival part. I don't know. But I had seen uh, one of the early episodes of Survivor was at uh, Panama Pearl Islands. And I saw that and thought, I want to go there. <laughs> so uh, I had planned a trip. I had gone to Bocas del Toro. And then I went to the Pearl Islands, specifically Isla Contadora. And I had read in Lonely Planet, I'm always on a budget, uh, even more so back then. And uh, I had read in the Lonely Planet that you could stay at these people's house on the island. Their names were Kitty and Spoon. <laughs> and uh, you could stay at their house for $50 and you could have your own bedroom and a bathroom and they'd make you breakfast. And I was thinking, good deal. Let's do that. Let's go see where Survivor was filmed in the Pearl Islands. And uh, I took a little tiny plane there from Panama City. And uh, Kitty and Spoon met me at the airport in a golf cart. And on the ride to their house, they were saying, oh, you know, the you might not have picked the best time because the island is sort of closed. Thinking the island is closed. They're like, well, there's one really big hotel here on the island, the Contadora Hotel, and Survivor has booked the whole thing, all 300 rooms, because they're going to be filming here. And I was instantly confused. I'm like, no, I already saw the, you know, series that was in the Pearl Islands. And they said, oh, no, they're coming back to do uh, Sur Survivor All-Stars. And... Uh, and they're filming soon, but most they haven't arrived yet. So the hotel is just closed. So most of the businesses have just uh, closed down because there's no tourists here. And I was thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm really going to be spending time by myself. And I was worried about even being able to find a place to get anything to eat. So as soon as they took me to their house, I uh, said, well, I'm going to go into town you know, to look around. And I'm like, you know, how do I get there? Are there any taxis? Which they, of course, laughed at me. And uh and there's no bikes to rent or anything. And they said, oh, um, you know, just walk into town. I'm thinking, oh, that's hot, you know. <laughs> and they're like, uh, if you see anybody in a bike car or a car, uh, you can just wave to them and they'll give you a ride. And I was, that was my very first time, like, hitchhiking or accepting rides with strangers. But she's like, no, it's normal here. People do it all the time. It's totally fine. Just anybody that's going by. And I was thinking, oh, okay. Uh, well, I ended up just walking into town and... Sure enough, everything was closed, and I was starting to think, shoot, I'm going to have to hightail my tukis off of this island because there's nothing open, and I don't even know if I can even find a place for dinner. And uh, I walked over to the nice hotel because um, I had read there was a real nice beach, and sure enough, beautiful white sand clear water beach in front of this very nice-looking large hotel that was closed. <laughs> and... Uh, I, you know, I thought, all right, I'll just keep looking around. And I saw a thatched roof restaurant bar looking thing and it had some lights on. And I was thinking, oh, goody, maybe there's one thing open. So I walk in there and uh, I go up to the bar and there's a nice looking uh, sort of my age uh, German guy. And I say, hey, are you open? And he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing here? And I'm thinking, well, that that's a strange greeting. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay. And uh, I said, well, I just flew in. I'm staying with Kitty and Spoon. And uh, I was wondering if you're open because everything's closed. And he's like, yeah, everything's closed because the big hotel's not open because Survivor. I'm like, yeah, I, I heard. And I said, well, are you open? He's like, well, I wasn't going to be because there wasn't going to be anybody here, but I'll open because you're here. And I was thinking, okay. So, uh, I had a drink there. Next thing you know, he gets on the phone and he calls some of his local friends and they come over and we all have dinner and they paid for everything. And I was thinking, 
well, hey, I'm pretty good at this traveling alone thing, even on an island that's closed down. <laughs> and uh, they actually took me to a place to play pool. And uh, we had with a bunch of local people that I would have never found like in a neighborhood and I was like well good this is fantastic I was having a grand time and uh, I didn't get back to Kitty and Spoon's house till like one in the morning and they were probably thinking you know I had walked into town in the afternoon on foot and wasn't back there probably thinking what happened to that American girl <laughs> but I did get back at like one in the morning and the next day I went to that beach in front of the, the nice closed down hotel and the next night I uh, had dinner Again, at the same place, the only one that was open. And uh, Joe, that was the name of the German bartender, he was real nice. He said he was single, and uh, we had a great conversation the night before. And so we're having dinner again, and he was like, uh, I got to tell you something. And I'm thinking, okay. And he said, uh, uh, I actually in some trouble back in Germany. Uh, I uh, ran a restaurant, and I got in some trouble with some bad people. I was thinking like mob people. I don't know. He's like, I owed him a lot of money. And one day driving home from the restaurant, I happened to drive my car into a river and I happened to have my passport with me. So I thought it was a good time to uh, leave the country. And I was thinking, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like, okay, this is too much for me. I don't need people who are like faking their own death. And, you know, uh, you know, you happen to drive your car into a river and you happen to have your passport and you happen to fly to a small island in Panama to like basically hide out. So I'm um, like, okay, I got to get going. I told uh, Kitty and Spoon, you know, I'd be coming back. <laughs> Kitty was the girl, by the way. Spoon was the guy. <laughs> so I really, though, had a good time. It was an adventure and it was a real success. One of my first trips traveling alone. So on this trip uh, last month to Panama, uh, I wasn't planning on going back to the Pearl Islands, but I had gone to some of the other places I was intending to go in Panama, and then I had tr I was planning on going to this jungle lodge, and they were totally booked full, so I couldn't stay in the jungle that I wanted to. And uh, another place I wanted to stay, they were closed, so I was sort of going to like Plan C, <laughs> and I thought, you know, maybe I'll fly back to uh, Isla Contadora. The Pearl Islands I had a great time there before. It's been, you know dozen years since I've been there. And then I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll take the ferry there because that's why I can see all the big boats that are going to be going through the canal. And the ferry was great. So I land, uh, I get, you know, off the ferry and uh, it looks so different. And I, I go to my hotel, which is like a, I booked this Gerard's and it's a thatched roof restaurant hotel and very reasonable place on the island. And uh, they, you know, I was there so early. So they said my room wasn't ready, but I could leave my bags there and, you know, take a walk or whatever. And so funny because you're going to leave your bags with a lot of your stuff in it. Just, you know, it's always a weird thing. It's like not in an enclosed room. It's just by the desk, which is an open air, you know, thatched roof. And you think, all right, I'm just going to have to trust this, you know, <laughs> like leave all my stuff here. Hopefully it's OK. But I start walking and I go down. You know, I remembered the layout of the island. So I went to the nice hotel and I could not believe when I got there, the place was now like a junkyard. The hotel was totally destroyed and the walls were missing and there were holes in walls and there was a giant boat docked on that beautiful white sand beach and like with graffiti all over it. And I was thinking, holy heck, what happened to this place? You know, <laughs> like, goodness gracious, this was the fancy place to stay on the island. And uh, I couldn't really find, I was trying to find, you know, the thatched roof restaurant where I had had such an adventure. And uh, 
you know, my hotel had a thatched roof, but it didn't look the same. And the place before certainly wasn't a hotel. So I kept walking and I, I ran into a local guy and I'm like, hey, can I ask you some questions? I'm like, I was here like 12 years ago. And what the heck happened to that hotel? And he's like, oh, um, it's closed. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, <laughs> it's like a junkyard. He's like, yeah, the guy who owned it apparently was running drugs from Columbia and he died in a, in a plane crash. And then after it closed down, after a while, when it was just sitting there, the locals sort of just took everything that they, they could use in building other uh, buildings. And, uh, and I said, well, what about that big boat? Why is there a big boat docked on that beautiful you know, beached on that beautiful beach. And he's like, that's the ferry. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That hotel had a ferry. They would bring people, you know, from Panama City to the nice hotel. And he's like, yeah, after it was closed, they just beached it there. And I'm like, that's such a shame, you know, like what's going on? And I'm like, okay. And my other question is when I was here before, I spent a lot of time at this restaurant as a thatched roof restaurant. And he's like, yeah, that's Gerard's. And I'm like, my hotel? I'm staying at the same place. It didn't look the same. He's like, yeah, they rebuilt it, uh, the thatched roof part, and then they built a hotel around it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm staying at the place that <laughs> that I was interested in. And of course, there, nobody that I talked to even remembered uh, Joe, the German guy who had faked his own death, so I couldn't find out what actually happened to him. But boy, you know, it's amazing that how things can change in a dozen years. And it also showed me, you know, you can't ever go back. You know, you can't ever, you can go back to the exact same latitude and longitude, the exact same coordinates, and people will be different, and everything will have changed. And also, it's something that people are always asking me for travel advice, and it's something I, I always try to explain. I don't think I explain it very well, but I can tell you to go stay at the exact same place I stayed, tell you where to eat, and I can I had this great time, but you could go there and not, you could have a so-so time or a bad time, depending on who you meet, the weather, you know, what kind of things you do. You know, you, you just can't ever go back, and you can't duplicate any trip, and I even uh, was asking around, and I don't, I don't think even Kitty and Spoon were on the island anymore. So I'm with one of my friend, and he's working on the car. I said, do you want me to go to the upper deck, or do you want to go? He's like, oh, you go, you go. I don't want to go. I go, duty-free, duty-free, duty-free. And then the exit row and the upper deck, there's a lady lying down, another lady lying down, a guy next to the lady in the one seat. Yeah. Her boobs in the air and all rubbing. Oh. And I go, he's, he's rubbing, he's rubbing her, her boobs all out there. I mean, they weren't tiny either. I was like, duty free, duty Duty free, duty free, and I go to, and I go, I go to the ladies in the in the galley. Did you not see these people over there? There's three people, two people in one seat. No, I said she has her boobs in the air. Okay, I'm gonna tell this to the A, you know, which she's like really sassy. I go to her and I said I don't know, but up there, there's a menage a trois happening. <laughs> she goes. She goes, what? I said, I was doing duty-free, duty-free, and then in the exit row, aircraft left, there's one lady rubbing this lady's boob, and a man and a lady rubbing this lady's boobs, and they're out there. So they're having a menage a trois. I think you need to go up there yeah. and say something. What? I'm going to go, because she's like spicy, yeah. you know? She's like, I'm going up there. She goes, do we have a problem here? 
is there a problem? Yeah. And then they go, no, you need to put those away. Because yeah. we have a family behind you with children. You just stole and those. You need, those and away. you need to go to your seat. This is done. Yeah. We're done. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. They all had been drinking and took ambient. They, they knew each other. There was two couples. But that other guy was sleeping. He wasn't included in the menage a trois. He was done. So then when we were landing, they were apologizing because they were oh, they, they were yeah. reminding them of what happened. Oh, we're so sorry. Yeah. We're so, and that spread like dust. Oh, who's the lady with the big boobs? I said, too late. You didn't want to go up there and do the duty free. <laughs> Right? You didn't get the show. You didn't want to do the duty free, so you missed on the tetas. <laughs> and then on the way back, I was duty free again. And he's like, I'm going to go upstairs and do the magazine. I said, honey, that doesn't repeat itself again. It That's doesn't. a one time show. <laughs> I had been asked to do a, um, uh, what do you call it, you know, a, a work day thing, you know, at her school, you know, yeah. and, and, and so I, I said, oh, okay, I'll do that, and I thought, I'll do a video, this will be great. All right, so I had Nick, I was at the, bo at the bottom of the air, at the beginning of the airplane, they're coming down the jetway, and I'm like, welcome to the plane, boys and girls, you're good, really and I'm being really, you know, corny and everything, so they get on the plane, then I take the video, and I'm going to the galley, and I say, you know, this is our galley, and here are our flight attendants, and I zoom in, and they're like, you know, deadpan face, you know, but anyway, and I show them the head, and I do, you know, all this kind of stuff, and then Nick takes it, he videotapes me, doing the demo, you know, all this stuff. So then I go into the cockpit and I said, so, Captain Bob, will you tell the boys and girls in Macon, Georgia, you know, um, uh, how long it takes to fly? He goes, well, you know, of course they loved it because then it was like this, you know, the radio and everything coming in. So they loved it. And he goes, yeah, well, it took us about six minutes to get from Atlanta to Macon. So and anyway, boys and girls, it was just like, all of that went all of that went really well and we get to the layover and I'm saying here we are we check in I'm just telling them exactly what we do okay so the next day we're at the pool and I said and I swam up to the edge of the pool standing at the pool videotaping and I, I come up to the pool to the edge I put my arms up on the edge of the pool and I say and this is the best part we get to lay over at fun places like Daytona Beach and Nick zooms in on me Daytona Beach Florida oh. Nick zooms in oh. on my cleavage <laughs> but you don't know this. straight for down the kids video. for the kids video but you don't know this. I don't know it I don't know it. I'm sure I said, and then I never got a chance to look at it again. So here we are with all the second graders. I've given, I've given out peanuts and pretzels and cards. And, and I said, oh, and I've got, we've arranged all the seats like a little aisle, you know, so that we can like do the whole thing. You were reenacting. I was re and so then I showed the video. A update on the Amazon ad links. Amazon is changing all their links, so all the old ones won't be any good after July 31st. I'm in the process of updating all the Amazon links. The, all the links on my 
new website, BettyInTheSky.com, are all fixed, and I'm also fixing the ones on the Libsyn page. If you have anything bookmarked, uh, those will have to be changed because those won't work anymore after July 31st. Um, you know, I'm not the most tech-savvy person, so... <laughs> bear with me. But if you're going to buy something on Amazon, I would love it if you would click through my website, BettyInTheSky.com. doesn't cost you any more, and it supports the show. Thank you very much. I'm actually interested because I've been flying a long time now. I have yet, I've never been struck by lightning. I hear all these stories, really? and I still have yet to have it. So what happened to you? It only happened once, and it was on the, the infamous L-1011 yeah. TriStar. And I was working D-Zone, smoking, and I was walking back to my seat. I made it back to my seat, and the captain let us know that it was going to be turbulence, and it was weather and all that area. Well, as I, just as I was about to fasten my seatbelt, yeah. all of a sudden, it was this big boom sound. I mean, it sounded like, I mean, just very, very loud. And then lightning lit up the whole cabin. It just, the whole cabin was just bright. Like white lighter. Sometimes I've heard blue. It's like, it's kind of hard to remember. It was just very bright. Yeah. And everyone started screaming and it took, it took everything for me not to scream too. Because people were looking at me because I was facing, actually I was facing in the jump seat, facing the D-zone area. And everybody was just looking at me like, oh my God, what was that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and thank God the captain came right on the PA and told everybody what had happened and, you know, to remain calm and all that. But that was the first time. And I mean, it was a little scary. I think because it was the, the noise was so yeah. loud. It was just like, what is that noise? There's another guy that told me that um, they got they struck by lightning, but there was one really loud piercing scream and uh, the captain could even hear it in the cockpit, the scream. And as they were deplaning, someone said, you know, that person that screamed was the flight attendant. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I was recently at the flight attendant store, you know, where they sell us stuff that we would use. And uh, they had a pin that said, uh, I said for you to put your chair in the upright and locked position, not the uptight position. We were boarding um, LA Flight Red Eye. Um, I was at the back in the galley, door three. We're boarding, you know, all the drama that happens with boarding. Put in the back, yeah. finding a seat, two seats. Then this lady comes and approaches me and says, I, f I forgot a bag at the gate area. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, what kind of bag is this? Well, it's it's a Tempur-Pedic pillow oh, yeah. in a white bag. Please, I just bought it. It cost me a hundred dollars. I said so. I I go to the I go to the phone. I call the flight attendant and I tell her the story. If somebody can go out and check or ask the agent, the captain chimes in because of course they're listening on the conversation. He says, "I'll go out there and check for you." Okay, so I, he goes out there. He says, "I didn't see it. I couldn't find it." So I go to the lady and I say, "Oh my gosh." It's not there. I apologize. We looked. The captain even went out there and looked. Oh, it's okay. I just, I'm, you know, I'm really upset. I just got it. So it's okay. I'm flying with an ex-roommate. I'm walking by. We're almost finishing boarding. And what I'm looking, I see the same exact bag in between this lady, oh. an empty seat, and another lady. I'm like, can't be that bag. 
I asked the lady, what kind of bag is it? And the name of the company, you yeah. know. And I tell my roommate, oh my God, that's the bag. That's the lady's pillow. It's like, no, impossible. I said, I swear. So my girlfriend goes by and says, oh, excuse me, ma'am. Goes over her, grabs the bag. This is somebody's from the back, yeah. And she goes, oh, here, we found your pillow. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you. I was mortified. That lady had took it in the gate area and stole it. Okay, the stories don't end there because this is L.A. Right. Um, this lady was crying like an and crying. Thief. <laughs> this lady was crying and crying. We're like figuring out why are you crying? Why are you crying? She goes, this man, this man. I was in the bathroom and he came into the bathroom and he showed me his private part and he's on the flight. We're like, what? He showed you what? His in the airport? In the airport restroom. He went into the airport restroom and flashed her. Oh, and in, the she, in the ladies' restroom. No, and I'm not making this up. He's not traveling alone. He's traveling with his wife and family. So she's like so nervous. She because she's shaking and shaking and shaking and she tells the other flight. I mean, she was mortified that this person's on board. They tell the red coat. They tell the other flight attendant. They get the police. Yeah. And they come and arrest the gentleman. And the wife goes, "Why are you arresting my husband? I don't know. I don't know what's happening." She's like, "Honey, you don't know. He's a flasher." <laughs> we didn't tell him that. <laughs> oh, by the way, he's a flasher. We didn't say that. We kept that for the police yeah. to tell him. But I'm like, "Are you for real? You're a flasher, and you're going on the flight." I think you're going on the flight. I'm like, really? With your wife and and family. So no, that wasn't made up. Okay, now this is another LA story. I'm telling you, those red eyes are local. Anyway, on this red eye. We get on, everybody's on full flight. We have a man that has like Tourette. Like, so yeah. He starts saying, F you, yeah. whatever, oh, like really loud. And we're like, what the hell? And he starts hitting the guy next to him. But he was drinking. You know, it almost sounds a little fun. Wouldn't it be a little fun to say whatever you wanted? <laughs> Just well, a little. Well, he Just was hitting little. the guy next door, so he calls me yeah. and I go, because the guy, I guess, went to the restroom. I said, yes, sir. If you don't get this effing man out of my sight, I'm gonna punch the living daylight out of him. What's wrong? What's 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 upsetting you? He's hitting me every two minutes. He's fidgeting. He's saying bad words, and I'm about to lose it on him. No, 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 sir, no, no. We'll see what we can do. I guess we found another seat. There was one seat, and we changed him. We're doing the service. Fast forward, doing the service, everything. We're ding ding, double ding. We're gonna descend. Where's that guy? We can't find him in the, the whole plane. The, 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 the red guy. I'm like, I don't know, but he was drinking a lot, so he's probably probably in the bathroom. Yeah. So we check, then we knock, no answer. Knock, no answer. I said, okay, you are my witness. I'm gonna open this door, <laughs> and you are my witness. Please stay here. It's like, okay. I, I open, and I close up real fast. I'm like, he's landing in there. He had like a prostatic leg. Oh. His pants were down and he was sleeping on the toilet with his fake leg on his lap like this. So he's like hugging his fake leg? Yes. <laughs> with his pants down. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god. They're like, what? What? I said, he's naked. His pants are down. I think he went to use the bathroom and he would he's so drunk he fell asleep and his fake leg is on his arm. They're like, no way. I said, yeah. <laughs>
there's no way we're going to wake up this guy. So I called the captain. I said, I know this is sterile, but I have to tell you that we have a customer with his leg and his arm and naked sleeping in the toilet. So I think he's going to land there. We can't get him up. He's landing there. I said, I, okay, I'm sorry, sir. No, don't worry. Clean. We land. We are taxi. This guy will not wake up. They open the door. We land. They open the door. Everybody's in planes. So they come and get security. The police. And he's still there. His leg. His fake prosthetic leg. He's holding it like a pillow. And his pants are down. He was naked. Like a body pillow leg. (laughs) (laughs) The Sprite Center was telling me a story about so long ago, we used to do a fruit and cheese service and coach, like on a cross-country flight, uh, something like we do in uh, first class or business class now. We used to do and coach like... You know, like an hour and a half out, we would go through with a basket of fruit and cheese, or sometimes we'd have on a cart fruit and cheese and crackers, and then along with the beverages. I mean, you know, it's nice. Um, it seems like we're starting to get maybe back to a little bit of the more service. But anyway, it's back in the full service days. And she said she was working the back, the L1011, and there was a Asian guy who was really drunk. Um, slightly unusual, but anyway... He, he he was really flirting. And this girl, was, she was pretty um, flashy, the other girl was saying. You know, she's kind of um, attractive, but also kind of uh, very noticeable. So I guess he felt comfortable flirting with her. And he kept flirting with her so much so that she was starting to get a little uncomfortable. So she's going through with the fruit and cheese and cracker basket. And she goes like, would you like fruit or cheese and crackers? And he goes, I want to eat you. <laughs> and she was like, ah! <laughs> She literally took her hand and kind of just, you know, like, you know, fake slapped him and slapped him like, oh, you. I bet she wished that she had a clicker like that retired guy. Because at that point when the guy said, I want to eat you, would have been like, click, 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 click. Okay, back in the old days. When uh, airlines were a lot younger, there was always an initiation rite for new hires. Well, one day, the flight attendants had a brand new flight attendant on board, and they had been flying with the same pilots for a while, and they decided that uh, she needed an initiation. So, it turns out that the flight attendants and the pilots were all laying over together at the same hotel. So, the flight attendants... The experienced ones began working on the new girl, telling her that she wasn't a real flight attendant until she had been bedded by a pilot. So they convinced her that this was a required item to become a real flight attendant. So once they convinced her, then they went up and talked to the pilots. And they said, this is what we want you to do. Uh, One of the pilots would reluctantly agree. So... the, the setup was that the first officer came back, talked to the uh, new flight attendant, says, well, I guess if I must, I will initiate you. When we get to the hotel, you can just come on up to my room and we'll take care of business. So sure enough, they get to the hotel. And they uh, each go to their own rooms. The first officer goes to his room. And she comes to the room and knocks on the door. And he says, come in. The door's open. 
And she comes in. He, he says, well, come on, get, let's, let's get going. Get your clothes off. Let's get in bed. He's in bed with the covers up to his waist. She gets her clothes off. She crawls into bed. He jumps up. He's got his pants on. The rest of the crew comes charging out of the bathroom and proceed to have a party in the room. <laughs> you know, just about everybody could use a clicker because I bet you this new, naive, new hire <laughs> that got totally embarrassed in front of the whole crew <laughs> would like to have had a little thing to go click, 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 click. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Hey, kids, when you fly together, she'll tell you where she's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? Belts are fastened for takeoff and the signal is strong. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen.